Welcome to our third segment of this afternoon's program. It is Sunday, the 20th of February, 2022. Uh, it is now 2.33 in the studio. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Uh, the Director of Public Prosecutions, Anthony Armstrong, is on special leave. Uh, that is what the nation has been told by the Attorney General, Stedroy Benjamin. Uh, DPP Armstrong has apparently gone on leave in the wake of a professional misconduct ruling against him by a disciplinary body within Jamaica's General Legal Council. That is a body that is responsible for professional conduct amongst lawyers. Uh, the decision that Armstrong was guilty of professional misconduct uh, was delivered on January 28th uh, and stemmed from a dispute between himself and a former client over the sale of property belonging to the client. Uh, the former client, Michelle Adams, was introduced to him initially through a close uh, friend, according to testimony in the written decision. Uh, Adams claimed that the property or properties were sold without his consent. Mr. Armstrong has maintained that the man did give consent for the sale of the properties. Many aspects of the matter are disputed between the complainant and Armstrong, uh, and ultimately the disciplinary body was not satisfied with a number of assertions that the complainant had made against Armstrong. Uh, but it was satisfied that Armstrong, as an attorney, uh, had witnessed the man's signature to certain documents when in reality the man was not actually present and that this was reckless for an attorney to have done. As stated, this issue dates back to the early 2000s. The Attorney General has stated that Mr. Armstrong is pursuing an appeal in the matter. Uh, Mr. Armstrong did decline to comment when initially contacted by observer. So on this segment, we'll be asking how serious is the decision rendered against him. And beyond that, more broadly, we'll be speaking about the office of the DPP and the role that it plays in our society. Uh, and even if we could strengthen the way it functions to serve our democracy. Uh, we are happy to have with us for this segment, uh, attorney at law, Mr. Ruggles Ferguson. Ferguson, sorry. Uh, he is, as I said, an attorney at law. Uh, he's a former president of both the Grenada Bar Association and the OECS Bar Association. And he's the current president of the Organization of Commonwealth Caribbean Bar Associations. That's the OCCBA. Uh, we're happy to have him with us this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, uh, Mr. Actually, I have uh, not actually admitted him from the waiting room, folks, so uh, sorry about that. Uh, but uh, yes, Mr. Ruggles Ferguson, attorney at law. It will take a moment uh, as he joins on Zoom. I do apologize for that. Uh, but as I said, this discussion is about um, uh, the recent uh, controversy, you could call it that, uh, surrounding the DPP. Uh, we'll be speaking about that initially just to get some initial reaction to it. Uh, and then more broadly, we will be discussing um, the role that the office of the DPP, more broadly the office itself, the role that it plays in our society. Uh, Mr. Ferguson has now joined us on Zoom. I do apologize for that, folks. I had not uh, clicked the admin, the admit button there, but he now joins us. Um, I, I wonder if you could hear me, Mr. Ferguson. Uh, how are you doing? I have actually already introduced you to the public. It was um, my error that I had not brought Hi, you into good, the uh, chat afternoon. as yet. Good afternoon. How, how, how are things? Yes. yes, good afternoon um, to you. And uh, good afternoon to all listeners and viewers. Uh, Are you hearing me? Yes, I am. You're coming through quite clearly. Okay, that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, the first issue that I want to deal with is really just to get some reaction to this issue. Um, it is a... a well, I don't have to call it a sensitive issue. Um, I, I've noticed that I, I've, I had some difficulty in, in getting a person's, uh, you know, willing to just offer some feedback on it. Um, your reaction to this development? Uh, I know, of course, Mr. Armstrong um, is uh, uh, pursuing an appeal in the matter. That was made very clear by the Attorney General. Um, and the, the decision mm -hmm. speaks for itself in terms of what any party, all parties involved claim. Uh, but uh, how serious is a matter? How serious... A matter is this, rather, sorry. 
Okay, yes, Karen. Uh, I'm not too sure if you were, because I just came on, so I, I, I wasn't too sure of the background, but so, um, so I'm just hearing you. But the in terms of the issue, well, uh, one can look at it from uh, several different angles. One, the fact that there are mechanisms uh, to deal with complaints from the public. Um, this matter, despite the, the fact that the DPP is based in Antigua, uh, it concerns his initial practice in Jamaica. And uh, the um, Jamaica has a very developed system uh, for complaints, um, probably the most developed in the Caribbean, um, dating back to the 70s. They have a general legal counsel um, and several regulations. So if there are complaints against attorneys, um, then one can lodge a complaint and there will be an opportunity to be heard and then, of course, a decision. Um, so that is what took place here and in the OECS and in the wider Caribbean, say for one or two islands, there are mechanisms for making a complaint against attorneys. Of course, not every complaint is made out. Uh, in this case, uh, the general uh, legal counsel found uh, him, uh, Mr. Armstrong, guilty of, of professional misconduct. Uh, as you indicated, uh, the matter is under appeal. And uh, uh, so, I mean, what I would look at mainly really are the lessons to be learned coming out of an issue like this um, and uh, the facts that emerge in this particular case and the lessons that all attorneys can learn because it's important that these matters are taken for teaching moments for all attorneys, notwithstanding that the fact is that it would have been against a particular attorney. But um, I found the decision interesting. Um, it concerns it concerns the sale of, of of properties that the complainant basically was saying that he did not give to sell the properties and uh, the signature um, attached to the was not his signature. Um, that is what he basically, he did not get him. any proceeds from the sale and the signature. Okay, are you hearing me? Yes, you had cut out for a moment there. I think the internet connection was a bit choppy, but I am hearing oh, you now. Um, the, you know, the nub of the allegation, the essence of it is that, uh, and it concerns an issue in Jamaica dating back um, several years ago, um, some 15 or so years ago, um, that properties were sold, that he did not authorize the sale of the properties. Um, he did not receive proceeds from the sale of the properties and that a signature appending to the document uh, was not his. Yeah. And, I, um, um, and I, therefore he lodged a complaint yes. in the context um of that transaction um what emerged after the hearing is that the general legal counsel which is the 
entity under the legislation in Jamaica responsible for uh, hearing and determining disciplinary proceedings, um, they made certain findings of fact. Um, of course, uh, important, important in the findings of fact was that um, the complainant did authorize the sale of the properties. It was found that the complainant did authorize the sale of the properties. Uh, but the issue against Mr. Armstrong specifically concerned the signature um, of the uh, complainant to the transfer documents, where the complainant is saying, this is not my signature. And uh, Mr. Armstrong is saying, yes, this is a signature. He knows the signature. And uh, Mr. Armstrong witnessed the signature. Um, but Mr. Armstrong conceded that uh, when he witnessed the uh, signature, I think that's the evidence that came out and the mm -hmm. findings of the General Legal Counsel is that when he witnessed the signature, the person did not sign, sign or acknowledge his signature before him. Yeah, physically. He basically did it on the basis that he knew the signature because he um, represented that complainant in transactions before and was familiar with the signature. Mm -hmm. And so the issue for the general legal counsel is that in those circumstances, um, signing, saying you witness the signature without the person being before you um, amongst the professional misconduct. Of course, it could have been much much more serious, as the general legal counsel indicated, um, if there was a finding, for example, that the complainant did not authorize the transactions, but nevertheless, these transactions went ahead. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to say something um, about that, because... What all attorneys, and I'm sure Mr. Armstrong himself, would learn very serious lessons out of it, not just himself, but all attorneys. Uh, because when you are representing clients, especially in transactions such as those, you have to ensure that if a problem occurs, occurs as it did occur in this matter later on, that you have sufficient uh, documentary evidence to uh, cover yourself. And uh, the General Legal Counsel, in fact, made remarks in relation to this matter to the extent that they had to determine it based on credit produced by either side to support their respective positions what the general legal counsel considered as the critical documents. Mm. So it is important. It's important um, that as an attorney, that you leave a proper paper trail. So it does not come down at the end of it to my word of mouth versus your word of mouth. Because at the end of the day, the attorney being the professional, is expected to take certain measures that the layman um, uh, would not be expected to take. And therefore, a heavier burden always lies on the attorney. Okay. Let me ask you. So, um, um, 
Yes. Well, it's just a, it was just a pivot, um, and I, I do appreciate I appreciated that explanation of the the, the nature of this matter, uh, especially in, in sort of breaking it down into simpler terms for, of course, all our listeners and myself uh, who are not uh, legally trained. Um, I, I want to ask you more broadly, just for your reflections. Um, in how the office of the DPP, and I'm not specifically talking about Antigua here, I'm talking about throughout the OECS, uh, in how the office of the DPP uh, functions in our society. Um, basically, I'm asking whether or not you're satisfied. What have you uh, picked up or noticed over the years in terms of the efficiency and effectiveness of, of how our prosecutors throughout the region function? Uh, and, and if you would offer any statements about, I don't know, even areas for improvement that um, might have come to you in the course of your work. Yes, well, the first the first point I wish to make about the office of the DPP is that it is a constitutionally protected office. It is created by the constitutions. In most of the countries, it's similar, similar provisions. I believe in Antigua, it's your section 70, 87 to 89 that addresses the Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions. Uh, the qualifications for appointment, for example, you must have at least a minimum of seven years service um, um, at, at the bar and uh, would have practiced before a court of unlimited jurisdiction somewhere in the Commonwealth um, and it has provisions for retirement age. But it is an independent office and it is a constitutionally protected office. The DPP under our constitutions has tremendous power. And that power includes the power to institute criminal proceedings, the power to take over um, criminal proceedings that are instituted by the police or privately, um, the power to take it over and continue it, and even more importantly, the power to take over and discontinue such proceedings. It is an independent office. In a sense, it stands between the executive, um, the politician, and the citizen uh, to ensure that there are no uh, 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 prosecutions that are unwarranted or politically motivated or biased in any way, and therefore the, the director of public prosecutions plays an important role, let me a ask, critical role. Let me ask. So, um, so for example, okay, sorry, you must ahead, not yeah, bow to the pressure of the executive or sections of society. You must be strong enough um, to, if he, to do what is fair and just in the circumstances, notwithstanding all the music around him from whichever quarter it comes. So it's a powerful office, and it requires um, the holder of the office to be strong, uh, to be strong and not bow to pressure because what he's looking at is the objective facts mm -hmm. um, and circumstances before him as and in order to advise properly whether or not to lay a charge in certain circumstances, or whether to take over and discontinue matters in other circumstances. Well, let me ask, um, uh, 
many times you have uh, uh, something reported in the media, reported in the press. Maybe somebody is not happy that um, uh, the DPP, and again, this could either be Antigua, this could be any other Caribbean island, uh, did not uh, 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 prosecute a matter, or didn't take a matter forward. Um, is there any process? I, I'm not aware of any process there is where anybody could really uh, challenge that decision. And I'm wondering if you think um, that that is so for a reason, or if there should be some manner of process by which uh, somebody could sort of challenge the fact that a DPP didn't deal with a certain matter or didn't want to prosecute a certain matter, or vice versa, if somebody wants to uh, assert that they feel that the prosecution is not warranted. or um, Because the DPP is really independent. There's no, there's no body over them that t for you to go to and say, oh, I, I think that they are yes. doing this or that. But, but again, the independence of the DPP yes, is for a reason. Yes, as the Constitution puts it, is subject to the direction or control of no one. Mm. So what do you think about um, that? That's how the Constitution in most of the islands put it. But to address your particular question, uh, you know, I would um, address it this way. Uh, once you hold an office such as the Director of, Proce of Public Prosecution, as a rule, almost as a rule, you would be subject to criticisms. You would be open to criticisms, especially as it relates to politically sensitive matters, if I may put it that way. Um, it's either the authorities feel that you should prosecute a matter or maybe pr pressing you to prosecute a matter and you are saying, no, this is a matter not for prosecution, or then the pressure comes from the other side too. If it's something politically sensitive, maybe the opposition saying that you ought to um, prosecute. So that is why a DPP has to be particularly strong because he will be subject to pressure from all directions. But he has to make um, a very considered and mature decision among all amongst all the noise around him as to whether or not this calls for a prosecution. So the very nature of the post um, is one that um, invites criticisms from several quarters. So uh, especially in, in countries where you have politically charged atmospheres, um, then you will find, you know, allegations against the uh, that director of public prosecution coming prosecutions coming from one quarter or another. Um, I'm based in Grenada, and the um, our DPP, I must say, um, I suppose partly uh, because of his own disposition. You know, he's he has a very calm and measured approach in terms of his. You know, his general personality. And he is widely respected among the bar, uh, members of the bar. And uh, uh, there have been issues um, surrounding certain prosecutions. But I believe he has dealt with it, um, you know, in a very mature and professional manner. So you don't find much, um, uh, much of these... Um, uh, issues, public public issues um, that might tend to bring the office into disrepute. Uh, and uh, uh, there are instances where he would explain, 
if he doesn't if he has not pursued a prosecution you know why he has not done so it is not that you necessarily need to explain because the constitution gives you that power and because it is a power given to you remember criminal matters touch and concern the liberty of the subject and therefore um if you do a prosecution that for example is politically motivated or otherwise um then you know it affects the liberty of the subject and uh, that you have an oath um you know to uphold the the constitution and to perform um to perform your duties fairly and justly let me jump so, in let me jump in uh, if I could. in a sense Sorry. Yeah, I wanted to jump in, if I could, to ask a question about um, sure. the relation. Well, two things, actually. You just mentioned the um, the DPP in Grenada, um, sometimes engaging in terms of the public trying to en- explain a decision or explain um, the actions of the DPP or persons within the office of the DPP. How important do you think that is? Because, as you said, it's not something that's mandatory required, but how important is that public engagement that, you know, from time to time you would sort of explain, especially on maybe highly charged matters, why, uh, uh, what your reasoning was for doing, for not doing, for taking these steps, or, or, or is it better that you not do that, that you not have this be a, a, a issues that put the public debate? Oh. What do you think? You see, um, and that's an important question, uh, because I know there have been challenges, unsuccessful challenges to DPPs taking decisions that some quarter may not like and challenging it in the court. And most of these challenges are unsuccessful. And that's why the person who holds the office of the DPP, um, it helps when that person is highly respected uh, in all quarters, whether it's at the level of the bar, at the level of the judiciary, at the level of the executive, whether it's the uh, government or the opposition. I think we have a DPP in Grenada um, who is highly respected and because of his own disposition. And I'm saying uh, that point you raise, is, you know, has to do with public education. Even though the, um, you may have power to do something, but in certain instances, especially where, where you hold public office, it is useful to explain decisions. Um, and most decisions are explainable. And probably part of the problem with the legal profession uh, is that there is this mystery about all these technicalities with the law that the public, they do not understand it. And therefore, because they don't understand it, um, they would quite rightfully criticize certain things uh, because of, of, of a lack of understanding of, of you know, certain aspects of the law. And that can easily be cured by way of engagement. In Grenada, for example, uh, we have done a lot of public education um, on issues, uh, on issues generally. Uh, the Bar Association here for the last I mean, 20 years, in fact, have engaged in institutionalized public legal education. Um, the prosecution, uh, I mean, 
make certain statements uh, re regarding matters because that's what the media is there for. And so even though there might be issues that are controversial, it is important that they be explained to the public. So for example, I know uh, certain issues, for example, bail and sexual offenses. People get very emotional about it, or there might be a particular killing uh, that has generated lots of emotion in society. And people say things, and if, for example, accused persons get bail, uh, the public is up in arms. And you know why? Because no one speaks to the public in terms of engaging. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm just speaking in general terms here. And that is why I'm, I'm president, for example, of the um, Organization of Commonwealth Caribbean Bar Associations and former president of the OECS Bar Associations. And one of the agendas um, we have been pushing as important is public legal education. Because there's a certain mysticism about the law that if you don't explain it to the public, that and even the way that the public sees lawyers um, in, in a very negative way, if you don't engage the public, then they will continue to see lawyers in a very negative way. We are, and as you yourself said, with this program, um, people might be reluctant to come on the program uh, because it's about a colleague. Um, but uh, it's not about being on the program and taking positions that condemns uh, one or the other. But all of these issues are teaching moments. That's how I see it. And that's why I have no problem, um, you know, dealing with programs uh, like these, because at the end of the day, we all learn from the experience. I'm sure if the DPP has to do this all over again, that he will do it quite differently. Let quite me, differently. Let me jump in. And uh, we must not wait for it to happen to ourselves mm. because there is the experience to learn from. Let me jump As in I said, the matter you. is under appeal and yeah. it's a question for the appeal court to, you know, determine whether or not there is merit in the appeal. Um, uh, there's a process for that. But notwithstanding, there are many things that we can learn um, both the public and the profession can learn out of these okay. experiences. Let me, let me, let me. I have to pause you there. There was one more question I wanted to ask you, but I have to hold that question. Perhaps um, I could arrange to have you on in another format, even on our morning program. I found this uh, session to be quite enlightening. But I have to stop it there because the show has come to an end. We've run out of time. Um, I want to okay. thank you for joining us this afternoon. Already? Yeah, okay. yeah, it was very short. Your, your, your final word, just a few seconds. What would you want to leave us with? Yes, well, um, uh, my final word on it, um, and that's why I always, um, you know, appeal to bar associations um, uh, throughout the region to use opportunities like this um, to ensure that attorneys learn from them so the mistakes that an attorney makes would not be repeated and uh, also to use it as opportunities to um, to engage the public, so that the public itself uh, can learn. Uh, one of the one of the issues coming out of this is the uh, developed system in Jamaica 
that deals with complaints uh, against attorneys. And every complaint does not necessarily mean the um, attorney is guilty. What it simply means is that the person who has an issue with the attorney has an opportunity, an opportunity to uh, pursue that complaint. The attorney himself or herself has an opportunity to respond to it and an independent entity makes a decision. So it's, it's all transparent and accountable. You can appeal if you are dissatisfied as the DPP here seems, as I understand it, uh, dissatisfied with the ruling. So he has appealed in the meantime. Um, and I also note that um, having been found guilty of professional misconduct, he would have done the right thing to have um, approached the authorities and say, mm -hmm. listen, I'm willing to uh, tender my resignation. And the, the response was, let's see what the Court of Appeal says in the meantime. Take some leave in the meantime, and let's see how this thing Plays out. ultimately pans out. Uh, Mr. Ferguson, uh, I, I want to thank you so much for joining us this afternoon for this one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, it was really informative, uh, uh, and I thank you very much. And just to let the public know, of course, we were just talking to attorney at law, Mr. Ruckles Ferguson. Uh, he's a former president of both the Grenada Bar Association and the OECS Bar Association. He's the current president of the Organization of Commonwealth Caribbean Bar Associations. And uh, that's a wrap, folks.